Uh, Would you please turn with me to your study outlines? And as you're turning, let me welcome those of you that are joining us online. You know, it's just crazy how our online presence has just been really growing. Um, Our media director, our media pastor, uh, Peter Wilson, told me uh, last week that we had 700 people joining us online. And so it's like another whole worship service that joins us online. Uh, Here's, it's normally like about five or 600, but it was about 700 uh, last week. Here's, Here's the amazing one that just blows me away. Pastor Ashraf and the Arabic Fellowship, uh, the Arabic service meets, uh, they often come here to the English-speaking service at 945, but then the Arabic service is over in the H building uh, at 1111, and they're only two months old, but do you know, this is the amazing thing, do you know that they have their service in Arabic online, and, and it reaches around the world, many people from the Middle East watch our Arabic service from our campus. Is that awesome or what? And they, and, and here's the crazy part. They've been averaging about 700 uh, uh, watching that. And, and a few weeks ago, they had 1,200 people joining them online for their Arabic worship service, many of those in the Middle East. So between the English service and the Arabic service, we're talking last Sunday probably about 1,400 people joining us online and many of those in the Arabic service uh, there in the Middle East. Uh, Is this a great time to be alive? Is this a great time to be serving God? There is no better opportunities that we have today to reach our world for Christ and we just praise God uh, for how we are seizing uh, that, uh, that opportunity. I'd also like to welcome those of us that are joining us from Arco, Idaho, as well as our friends in Kalispell, Montana. We are so glad uh, that you're joining us for our study of God's Word. Now, as you look at your study outline, you'll see that we're coming down the home stretch for a series called Forgotten God. And what we mean by that is the forgotten member of the Trinity. We talk a lot about God the Son, Jesus. We talk a lot about God the Father, uh, but we don't talk as much about God the Holy Spirit. And so we're seeking to balance our teaching of God's Word with what has turned out to be a five-part series because uh, Chris Brown, last Sunday, it fit perfectly in the middle of our Holy Spirit series. If you want to go online and catch that message, I encourage you to do so, because I did two parts on the Holy Spirit. Then Chris was going to, he spoke last week, and it just fit hand in glove with our Holy Spirit series, and now this Sunday, and then I will finish it up uh, next Sunday. And let me just particularly give you an opportunity to come back or urge you to come back next Sunday, because next Sunday, Kimberly and I are going to give a gift to every single person that comes uh, to our services next Sunday. Uh, a gift from us. We're not having the church pay for it. We want to pay for it ourselves because we believe in it so much. And we're going to give a gift to each person that comes next Sunday that I believe has the potential to change your life. I really believe that this gift that we want to give to you next Sunday has the potential to change your life. And so really encourage you to come next Sunday and to bring a friend along with you as well. Then I'm going to do a Palm Sunday message on Palm Sunday. Then we'll have Easter Sunday, and then we'll start a new series after Easter. Now, what I want us to do today is to review a bit of where we've been. And I know I've been doing this week after week, but I really kind of want us to keep going over certain key principles. And to be frank, it's kind of a balancer because I failed to speak on things like the indwelling and the infilling of the Holy Spirit for so long. We need to kind of balance it out and kind of go over it until we kind of nail the concept as a church family. So we're going to do a bit of review 
and then we're going to drill deeper on the main subject we've been talking about, which is indwelling and infilling. Or another word for infilling would be controlling or empowering. Now, here's the basic concept. When you come to Christ, when you get saved, and you open your heart up to, to Christ, you are immediately indwelt by the Holy Spirit and filled with the Holy Spirit at that moment that you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you're saved. And you can do that here, here today. Uh, there's a resource card right there in front of you. And you can grab that and either look at it now or uh, later today, pull it out, take it with you, take it home and pull this out and look at it. It talks about the steps you need to take to receive Christ as your Savior and Lord. It says how to become a follower of Jesus, but it could say how to open up your heart to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. It it, it could say uh, how to receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, Jesus' Holy Spirit uh, dwelling in you, filling in you. And there's a little suggested prayer there. And there's nothing magical in the exact wording of that prayer. It simply summarizes the cry of the heart that the Bible says we need to do. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and have fellowship with him. And so you can do that right here. This can be your day, either right now or take this home with you and kneel down next to your bed before you go to bed tonight or this afternoon and pray to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. And the Bible teaches at that moment, you are indwelt with the Holy Spirit and you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, you can never lose the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That is God's seal on you. The Bible says it's like a down payment on heaven. It's like the marker so that when God looks at you, he doesn't see the hot mess that I've made of my life. Instead, he sees the Holy Spirit and he sees his righteousness purchased for us by his death on the cross. Uh, God sees that. And it's a mark. He sees the indwelling Holy Spirit, and that's a mark. That's one of mine. That's a member of God's forever family. And you cannot lose the indwelling when you sin, when you make a mistake, when you say something you shouldn't say or do something you shouldn't do or fail to do something you should do. But you can lose the infilling. You can't lose the indwelling once you've received Christ, but you can lose the infilling. Now, our theme verse so far has been Ephesians 5, verse 18 in which the Bible says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And the Greek word that is translated here in the English, be filled, uh, carries with it the idea of continual action. The tense of the Greek verb here means a continual action. That is, keep on being filled because you will lose your filling. Uh, When we sin, we leak. We leak the filling of the Holy Spirit. And so we can never lose the indwelling, but we can lose the filling. So he says, instead, continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit. A continual action, keep being filled. Now, there are four pictures that we have used in order to uh, picture this, okay? Uh, The first is alcohol. Uh, Back to that verse once again. The Bible, that's the illustration it uses. It says in the same way, um, let's, go, let's go back to uh, 5 verse 18, Ephesians 5 18. Uh, in the same way that alcohol controls us rather than we controlling ourselves, in the same way it kind of takes control of us, in the same way let the Holy Spirit take control of us rather than we ourselves, okay? So alcohol is the illustration that the Bible gives to us uh, for the filling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the second one that probably has been the most helpful, I've heard people talk about the most, is the car il- illustration. 
where when you receive Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into your car, he indwells you, and he fills you. So when you first come to Christ, the Holy Spirit not only gets in the car, he gets behind the wheel, you're riding shotgun. Even if you sin, he'll never leave the car, okay? Your salvation has been purchased for you by the death of Christ on the cross, past, present, future. Okay, but if you choose a sin, if you say, I wanna go this way, um, and the Holy Spirit says, I wanna go this way, and you say, I wanna go this way, he'll say, okay, I'm not gonna leave the car, but I can't drive you towards sin because after all, I am the Holy Spirit. I can't drive towards unholiness. So you change positions, and you drive the car, he goes shotgun until some point that you come to your senses and you confess, oh, I've taken control of my life. Holy Spirit, I confess it. You get behind the wheel once again. When, when you're behind the wheel rather than the Holy Spirit, it's dumb and dumber. What you want to do is spend as much of your life staying filled, continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Keep him behind the wheel going in the right direction. Every time we take the wheel away from him, we are going in the wrong direction. And then the third illustration is marriage. If I um, say something to hurt Kimberly's feelings and I've sinned against her, uh, we are still married, we still remain married, but we are no longer connected in marriage, okay? And so we're still married, but we're frustrated in our marriage because we're not connected. And the same thing is true. When, when I sin, it causes a disconnection between the Holy Spirit, between God and me. And, and we're disconnected in that way. The Holy Spirit is still in my life, but there's a disconnection which leads to frustration until I ask Kimberly to forgive me. Honey, I'm sorry for what I did. I'm sorry for what I said. Please forgive me. She forgives me. Now we're not only married, but we're connected as well. And then the fourth illustration is breathing. Uh, we breathe out carbon dioxide, we breathe in oxygen. So the moment you realize that we've sinned, we, we breathe out confession. Lord, I confess I was taking the steering wheel back from you once again. And I breathe in, I wanna be filled once again by your spirit. Holy Spirit, I'll get back to shotgun position. Now you steer the car. Now, that's, a, that's kind of an overview, a review of what we've done already. Now let's drill deeper uh, on this. And I just kind of want to give you a little bit of a warning that this is going to be a bit of a negative sermon, okay? This is going to be a bit kind of, uh, there's going to be some positive in it, but it's mainly going to be what not to do in order to keep from losing the filling of the Holy Spirit. That's mainly what it's going to be. Now hang with me because next Sunday it's going to be all positive about all the blessings of being filled with the Holy Spirit and all the benefits of that. So next Sunday is going to be almost all positive. But today it's going to be much of it. It's going to be negative. How do we keep from losing the filling of the Spirit? So how can we protect the infilling of the Spirit in our lives? How do we keep from leaking the Holy Spirit? And now our new theme verse is not Ephesians 5 verse 18. Our new theme verse is Ephesians 4 verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Okay, so see, we're sealed for the day of redemption. So he's not gonna leave us when we sin. That seal, that indwelling stays right on through the day of our redemption in eternity in heaven. But do not grieve the Holy Spirit. That will cause us to lose the filling. Now we talked about the fact a couple weeks ago about the Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force like you have in Star Wars. Instead, he's a person. And you can see that from the term here, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. He's sensitive. Uh, he's holy. 
And so he's sensitive to sin. And he loves us more than we love ourselves. And so he's a person who's sensitive. He's holy, so he's sensitive to sin. And he loves us so much that he knows if we put him in the driver's position, he's gonna drive us on our way to heaven through all kinds of adventures and through blessings. But he loves us so much, he doesn't want us to take the wheel because he knows we're gonna have car accidents. He knows we're gonna injure ourselves and we're gonna injure others as well. Now, the next question, how can we grieve the Holy Spirit? Here's what I want us to do. Many times when you wanna understand a verse better, you wanna look at the context of the verse. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna take this command, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. We're gonna look at five verses before the command, six verses after the command, okay? We're gonna look at five verses before, six verses afterwards to look at some of the things. Now, any sin grieves the Holy Spirit. But he mentioned 16 things in the five verses before and six verses after the command, and we're gonna count up those 16 things, but they're also gonna be balanced by positive things we can do to protect uh, the filling within our lives. So let's go back to Ephesians 4, verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood. Would you say the word with me out loud? Falsehood, together, falsehood. Okay, so any deception... Any lying grieves the Holy Spirit. But instead, how do we keep the filling of the Holy Spirit? But speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. So falsehood grieves the Holy Spirit, causes us to lose the filling, but speaking truthfully to each other, uh, that causes us to protect the filling of the Holy Spirit. Let's go to the next one, verse 26. In your anger, do not sin. Would you say the word anger with me out loud together? Anger. Now, this is an interesting one because there, the Bible doesn't say that anger is a sin. It says it's an emotion and it's morally neutral. It's what we do in our anger that determines whether we sin or not. In the Bible, it says that God was many times angry. In places in the Bible, it says that the Holy Spirit came on someone and they became anger. Should we be angry like God is at sin? Yes. Should we be angry at injustice the way God is? Yes. So in our anger, whether the Holy Spirit's in control or not determines if it's sin or not. Now, when I'm driving the car and I get angry, I sin. This is especially helpful to Southern Californians, okay? This is true literally and figuratively as well, all right? That, that when I'm in control of my life, in my anger, how many of you, when you're angry and you say what comes naturally to you, how many has that worked out really well for you? It has not worked out well for me. So in my anger, I said, Holy Spirit, it's really important now that you be behind the driver's wheel right now so that, I, so that I don't sin. So in your anger, do not sin. Now, how do we do that? Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Limit it its duration. Uh, deal with it that day with that person. Or get more information. You know how many times I say that most of the time our conflict is resolved by just getting more information. If somebody says something or does something, if we say something or do something here at church and you don't understand it and you get angry about it, 99% of the time just getting more information is gonna clear it up. 90% of the time you'll get more information. Say, oh, that makes sense. I agree with what they did. Another 9% of the time you may still disagree with what was done, but you understand the motives behind it were good. 
And so 99% of the time, it, it, it clears it up. But at 1% of the time, you get more information. It just makes you matter, okay? You get more information. I don't agree with what they did, and I don't ag- agree with why uh, they did it. But most of the time, uh, getting more information, um, uh, dealing with it with the person, keeps it from going deep. Limited duration leads to limited depth. And do not give the devil a foothold. The longer you nurse that anger without dealing about it, it takes a foothold within your heart. It's kind of like skin cancer, another Southern California illustration. Um, Skin cancer, what's the key? The key is to get it early while it's still on the surface of your skin before it goes deep. It'll give you trouble if it gets deep. But the earlier you deal with it on the surface, it's, it's no big deal. And the same thing is true with anger. If you deal with it before the devil gets a foothold under the surface and the bitterness in your heart, then you're, you're able to deal with it in, in a non-sinful way. Okay, let's go to another one, verse 28. Anyone who has been stealing, say the word out loud with me together, stealing, must steal no longer. Now, this is interesting because stealing has been minimized within our culture and society. Uh, it's not seen as that big of a deal. I was talking to a law enforcement um, person the other day, and they said, you know, with certain laws on the books and things like that, uh, many times we'll arrest somebody, and they'll be out within a few days and steal again, and we arrest them and and out again in a few days. And he says, it's just never-ending because it's just kind of minimized. But with God, with the Holy Spirit, uh, it grieves the Holy Spirit. Any Taking of money that's not ours, whether that's on our tax forms, now I'm meddling, uh, whether it's any other area of our life, anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer. That grieves the Holy Spirit. But here's what you can do to protect the filling. But must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Did you know that work protects you, the filling of the Holy Spirit? And then you work to provide the needs of your own family, your own self, and then you have a little bit extra to share with other people in need, all of that protects the filling uh, within your life. Okay, let's go to another one. Verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk, say out loud with me together, unwholesome talk. Now this doesn't just mean, it does mean bad language and, 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 and cussing and, and stuff like that, profanity. But it, and the Greek word here includes all those things. But in addition to that, it, it says also malicious gossip and slander. So anytime we pass on information that's not true, that's unwholesome talk. Or anytime we pass on information that is true, but it was unnecessary to pass it along, that's unwholesome talk. You know, there's some, there's some stuff, and it may be true, but what's the point in passing it along except to hurt another person? Or, or we don't mean to do that, but it ends up doing that. And so anything, the, this, the Greek word here translated unwholesome talk is anything that injures others and sparks dissension is covered by this expression. Anything that causes disunity between people is unwholesome talk. Here's one I would add to it. When you listen to unwholesome talk and you don't do anything to discourage it. I mean, people come up to me and say, oh, Pastor Glenn, this person was just gossiping terribly. I'll say, well, did you ask him to stop? Oh, no, I wanted to get down every word so I could share it with you, you know. And, 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 and so unwholesome talk includes, I believe, listening to unwholesome talk. Now, you'll lose friends over this because people don't like people that don't gossip. Uh, but, but it's all included under unwholesome talk. Now, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but here's the positive. And this is not all negative. Here's what you can do to protect the filling in your life. 
but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Okay, here comes the command. Let's, why don't we read it out loud together, verse 30. Out loud together. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Okay, let's pick up some more in the six verses after it. Verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. These things grieve the Holy Spirit and cause us to lose the filling of the Holy Spirit. Okay, now to chapter, uh, verse 32. Here's the antidote to that, okay? Instead, to protect the filling, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Now we go to chapter five. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, verse two, and walk in the way of love. This protects the Holy Spirit's filling. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And then verse three, more things that grieve the Holy Spirit. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality, okay? The, 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 our culture minimizes this, but it grieves the Holy Spirit, and you cannot live a victorious Christian life filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit if there's even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, love of money, because these are improper for God's holy people in filled with and dwelt with the Holy Spirit. And then verse four. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. So these things grieve the Holy Spirit and you lose the filling, but you protect the filling through thanksgiving. Anytime you're thankful to God, anytime you worship here on Sunday morning, just singing during praise and worship time, that protects the filling. It builds the filling within your life. Worship, giving thanks to God, being thankful to other people protects the filling. Now, let's just spend the remainder of our time. Once we lose the filling, because we will inevitably sin and grieve the Holy Spirit, uh, the more we can have him drive the car rather than us, the more we will go in the direction we should go rather than the direction we shouldn't go, okay? Uh, just like Dumb and Dumber. What must we do to become filled with the Spirit once we have lost it? Four things. Number one, we must confess to God all the sins of which we are conscious and allow ourselves to be purified by the blood of the cross. Okay? So everything, every sin that we're conscious of. And you know what is a great prayer? David said, Lord, forgive me for hidden faults. You know, we say here a lot at Purpose Church uh, that your blind spots will rule you. Lord, show me the things that I need to confess, but Lord... Show me the things that I'm not aware of. Please bring those to mind so I can be aware of them and ask your forgiveness as well. Conscious and then ask your forgiveness for unconscious things or ask God to make them conscious to you and allow ourselves to be purified by the blood of the cross. First John chapter one, verse nine. If we confess our sins, here's the good news. He's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Okay, here's the second thing. We must desire and seek the fullness of the Spirit. We, we gotta want it. And we gotta tell God that we want it. Lord, I confess the, the ways that I've grieved the Holy Spirit, but Lord, I desire uh, your fullness. We desire to be close to the Father. 
uh, we want to draw close to the Holy Spirit. We want to draw close to the, the Heavenly Father. God, help us to do everything we can. Push open every door in our lives that hinders us, every barrier, because we want to be close to the Father. Now, Chris Brown had just a great illustration last week. Great illustration. I want to kind of recap it again. Um, he talked about in the Christian life, let's, let's, it's, it's like going to Disneyland. And so we go to Disneyland, and you just walk in the first gate, you just front gate, and you put down a blanket, and you just sit inside, just inside the front gate. You sit there all day at Disneyland. Um, Kimberly and I are so looking forward to a week from Wednesday. We're going to uh, take our grandson, Jem, uh, his parent, our daughter, Leah, and, and, and son-in-law, Aaron, are flying down from Seattle. And they're doing the typical thing new parents do, which is take your child to Disneyland when they're six months old or something like that. You know, he actually, Jem is more, he's, he's like a year and a half. But still, okay, how much is Jem going to get out of that? But, you, you know, how many of you, okay, let's do true confession time here, okay? How many of you took your children to Disneyland probably earlier than they needed to go? Okay, yeah, yeah, we did, you know, because we, no, actually we didn't because we didn't move here until they were of age. So actually we were, but we would have if we lived with Disneyland in our backyard. So anyway, we're really, the grandparents are going to have fun. The parents are going to have fun. Who cares if the child has fun? You know, it's fine. They can sleep through the whole thing. But say we go to Disneyland and we just, you know, put a towel down or a blanket down and we're just inside the front gate and we never go in to more. But let's imagine, as Chris told us last Sunday, that um, Walt Disney comes back from the dead. He resurrects. And the builder of the park now personally escorts us through every nook and cranny of the adventure called Disneyland. And that is exactly why this series, the theme has been, let's not just settle for the indwelling. Let's just not settle to have our ticket punched for heaven. Let's not just settle for life insurance from hell. Let's not settle for that. Let's push into Disneyland and desire and seek the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Anybody want to say amen to that? That's what we want. We don't want to just get in the front gate. We want the fullness, not just the indwelling with the, us driving the car our whole lives like dumb and dumber going east when the Holy Spirit wants to take us west. Um, Ephesians 4 verse 13 until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's what we want. Hebrews 12, uh, verse 14, make every effort to live in peace with everyone. You know, peace within a body of believers, um, lack of peace, disunity grieves the Holy Spirit. Unity and peace um, fills a church with the Holy Spirit. My friend Tom Mercer, uh, pastor of the High Desert Church up in Victorville, he says, I've seen God bless all kinds of churches. Um, big churches, small churches, rural churches, urban churches, charismatic churches, liturgical churches. I've seen him bless all kinds of churches. One kind of church I've never seen God bless is a disunified church. Because disunity, lack of peace, leads to grieving the Holy Spirit and the absence of the filling of the Holy Spirit in our own lives and within a church. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Now remember, we're not talking about salvation. You can't earn holiness. 
That, that was already earned for you on the cross of Jesus Christ by his shed blood and his death. That was earned for you. can't do it. But you can pursue holiness, which will determine how effective and victorious you are within your Christian life and how much you see the Lord and you see the fulfillment of his plans for you uh, within your life. Uh, Matthew 5, verse 6. Blessed are those, Jesus said, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And then number three, we must unreservedly yield ourselves to God, giving access in our whole being to his influence. Okay, now this is the hard one. This is the hard one. And, and we need to pray. Here's, here's a prayer I love to pray. Um, say there's an area of our life where I do not want to yield. Here's what I pray, and I would encourage you to do the same. Lord, I really don't want to yield this area of my life to you, Okay but I am willing to be made willing. That's a beautiful prayer. Lord, I just can't find it within me to want to yield this, but Lord, would you help me and help me be willing, help me to be willing to be made willing? And God will answer that prayer and he'll do something that'll change my heart or help me if I'm cooperating with him. Lord, help me to be, I'm willing to be made willing. Help me to yield this area. Here is an awesome quote by Rene Pache. We have seen that God wishes to fill us with his spirit, but only what is empty can be filled. Undoubtedly, if we are converted, the spirit has occupied a certain amount of room in us, but is every part of our being open to admit him? Or, and this is, oh, this is conviction time for me, or have we perhaps brought to God only those sins which inconvenience us, for which we cared not over much. I'll confess to you, there's a lot of sin that tempts me. But there's a lot of sin that just doesn't attract me at all. Okay, I'll just tell you. I, I, will, I don't think ever be a gambling addict because I just am not attracted to gambling at all. I like my money too much. I like keeping it in my own pocket. I just, there's, there's no chance. I, I, I'll probably never be an alcoholic because I don't like the taste of alcohol. It's like, you know, um, it just doesn't, you know, taste good to me. So probably, you know, not that one. Drugs the same way. And so do you see how it's easy to offer up certain sins that inconvenience us? I like being in control. I don't want to lose control to drugs or alcohol. I like money. I'm not going to gamble it. So that inconvenienced me, for which we cared not over much. Oh, God, I offer up to you my gambling addiction and alcohol and drug addiction. And hoping nobody walked in just now or turned it online just like that moment. Okay. God, God I... <laughs> Woo! Here's the church I've been looking for. What's the address on that again, Mabel? Yeah, okay, yeah. So, but while retaining several idols, these I'm not going to tell you about, but I know what they are, and above all, our own wills. Offer up the easy stuff. But man, there are certain things. It is self-evident that our refusal to yield every sphere of our life, be it only in one thing, hinders the Lord from filling us. Lord, I'm willing to be made willing. Jesus said in Luke 9, verse 24, he said, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me is gonna save it. And here's a very encouraging verse. Uh, Philippians 2, verse 13. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. He wants 
to have the steering wheel more than you want to give it to him. Because he wants to drive you to places that will bless you more than you even want it for yourself. And so if you pray the prayer, oh Lord, it's so hard to yield in this area, but I'm willing to be made willing, he hears that prayer and he begins to work in you. He does the work in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. He wants to help you to yield in that area. Romans 6 verse 13 Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. And then Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And then number four, and I confess to you, this is maybe the hardest one for me as well. See if you relate. Lastly, we must believe that God has filled us with his Holy Spirit once we have carried out the first three conditions. You gotta believe that if you ask him, if you you say, Lord, I confess this thing and I desire to be filled and Lord, I, I believe, help thou my unbelief Lord, um, I yield, help me to want to yield to the areas where I don't want to yield, that he will fill you. I confess, this is where I struggle because I think, oh yeah, but there's still so much in my life that's not right. Oh Lord, can you, can, 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 can you really do that? But it's like salvation. When you prayed to receive Christ, some of you heard bells and whistles and thunder and lightning and saw unicorns prancing across a field of four-leaf clovers, okay? And rainbows and butterflies. But others, you accepted Christ and you looked in the mirror and you're like, man, seems like the same old me. It's like when you get married. You know, some people, they wake up the day after they get married and go, oh, wow, this is weird, this is different. And others wake up, look in the mirror and go, nothing seems different. Oh yeah, something's different. You've moved from the state of not being married to the state of being married simply because you made a commitment before God. And the same thing is true with your salvation. I I, I hope you have nice feelings. If you get baptized at the Fairplex on Easter, I hope you hear thunder roll and see rainbows over the Fairplex grandstands when you come up out of the water. But if you don't, it doesn't matter. It's not about feelings. It's about faith. And the same thing is true with the filling. We must believe that God has filled us with his spirit once we've carried out the first three conditions. Here's the promise. John chapter seven, we looked at this a couple of weeks ago. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, not whoever feels it in me, not not who has butterflies, not whoever has chills down their spine, But whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, here's the promise, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Now as the praise band comes up for closing worship, let's go before the Lord in prayer. And I want us just to pray through these four steps, and this is going to be very brief, but maybe it'll whet your appetite to a longer time uh, later today, okay? Um, First of all, Lord, I I don't have time 
in 30 seconds to confess everything I need to confess. That's me talking, not you, but I'm just telling you. But Lord, right now, please show me anything where I need to confess, and Lord, I'll, I'll confess it to you. I want you to be the steering wheel, not me behind the steering wheel. And then, Lord, this is something we can pray right now. Lord, we desire the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we hunger for it. And then number three, Lord, help me to yield every area. And some of those areas are going to be easy, and some are going to be hard. And so, Lord, I'm willing to be made willing to yield in those areas. And then, Lord, right now, by faith, by faith, I believe that you have filled me with your Holy Spirit. If I've confessed, if I desire it, and if I yield, I believe that you have given me the filling of the Holy Spirit. And I will march out of here into the new week with the boldness that your power is with me and behind me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Melt me, mold me, fill me, use me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Let's stand and just sing that chorus uh, together, would you? Spirit of the living God.